famous story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David and Goliath, all right? So what we're talking about is uh, the family. This uh, On our series, we're kind of back to that. We were interrupted a little bit with the missions conference. I don't mean to say that it's an interruption. I'm going to take off my jacket, guys. It's just hot in here. I'm sorry. I, uh, it's that time of year when you just don't know what to do with the temperature settings, right? I mean, it's January, and we were outside enjoying the day this afternoon, and so it's just the way it is. So, uh, two weeks ago, whenever we talked about this, we brought this up. We're starting out with the men, which, by the way, is where we should start, right? Uh, that's where God squarely puts the responsibility of the home, is right on the shoulders of the men. And so we started out with that. Our, my question to you was, what is the greatest responsibility that a man has? And as I suspected, there was the... Uh, the, the, I'm just listening to the murmur as the answer is coming. You know, what is the greatest one? And I have to hear it. And, but it was le- being a leader. And I disagreed with that. And so uh, it was, I pre- presented that it is being a lover. God says to the, parent, or to the uh, husband, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So then that's going to lead us now to our second uh, study. And that is going to be being a leader. All right? Being a spiritual leader. Now, guys, I want us to listen. Ladies, please, you're going to be tempted here, if you're not careful, uh, to um, poke, you know, write down the notes, make sure he's seeing them, and uh, that's not your responsibility. Can I be the one to tell you this? The Bible says very clearly in the book of Corinthians, very clearly, if you want to win him, very clearly in the book of First Peter chapter 3, very clearly, if you want to win him, you're not going to do it with your mouth. I'm just being as honest as I can. God's being as honest as he can. It, it, I'm, not, I'm not excusing us. We're stubborn and willful, and when you start speaking, we just quit listening. I mean, if you're going to nag us, I promise we're going to run the other direction. That's wrong. It's sinful and wicked, but it is what we are. We're men. So God says to the ladies, listen up, ladies. If you want to win, if you want to help us, then you need to quit talking and live it. That's what the Bible says. It really is. It's very clear. You can read those passages. We're not going to do that today. So, uh, you know, feel free to take notes. Just, uh, just be praying that God would actually open up the hearts of our men, that we would listen to what God's Word has to say. So we want to develop what it means to become a spiritual leader. Well, David is going to give us an example of spiritual leadership. Not, I'm aware, in this story, it's not an example of spiritual leadership in the home. It's just an example of spiritual leadership, all right? I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm borrowing from a book for this particular portion of this message, uh, these four points, about 15 points to get ready, all right? But uh, these four points are from this book. It's called Raising a Modern Day Knight. Several of you read the book, Raising a Modern Day Knight. Several, two of us, three of us. Go get the book. We have it in the library. Go check it out. Guys, it's a really good book for raising sons. That's what it's about. But uh, it presents to us this example of spiritual leadership, and we're going to say it. I've gotten talking fast because we've got to really work through this very quickly. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is a book of the story of David and Goliath. Go to verse 29, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29. We're jumping in the middle of the story. David goes, he sees the giant, he's wondering why in the world nobody's fighting. He's having this conversation, his brothers are already frustrated at him, etc., etc. David comes in in verse 29 and says, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? 
And while I'm aware that uh, this is David fighting a giant uh, that is battling the children of Israel in the Old Testament, as we're talking about spiritual leadership, would you agree that the world, the flesh, and the devil are a giant staring our family down, and dads, <clears throat> you and I, are to be the David who recognizes that there is a reason for us to take upon ourselves spiritual leadership. That there is, we have motivation to step up to the plate. I mean, there's a giant coming at our family that will win, by the way, if somebody doesn't step up to the plate. <clears throat> you can't really play the, the what-if game in the scripture uh, very easily. Uh, because we are only told what did happen, right? Not the what might have happened. Uh, God doesn't spend a lot of time dealing with a what if. But here's the question. What if David hadn't stood up? I mean, is there ever a time in which God, what we tend to say is, well, God would have used somebody else. That's what we tend to say. But isn't it also true about our God that he will let us suffer the consequences of our unwillingness to stand up? What if David had not stood up? That's a good question. So dads, what if we don't stand up? Husbands, what if we don't stand Our families need us to develop spiritual leadership. So we're going to run through this very quickly and uh, just show you this in verse 29. The first point, and this is again from the uh, author Robert Lewis in Raising a Modern Day Night. He gives us these four things from the story of David and Goliath. One is, a true man, a leader, rejects passivity. Passivity is doing nothing, basically, right? Well, yeah, that's true. Somebody needs to go out there and fight that giant. <clears throat> Hello. You know who the somebody is? You and me. We're the somebody. You know, and so a true leader says, I'm going to reject passivity. I'm going to step up to the plate. I'm going to lead my family. It is not your wife's responsibility to be the spiritual leader in your home, guys. Well, you know, that's kind of her thing. No. It may be her thing because you are a... Yeah, but the truth is, it's your responsibility. You can't just keep being lazy. A true leader steps up to the plate, says, I am no longer going to allow passivity to rule the day in this area of spiritual leadership. I am going to be a spiritual leader. I'm rushing through this. Go down to verse 32. And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David says, I'll do it, right? So not only does a true leader reject passivity, a true leader accepts responsibility. Well, you know, pastor, nobody told me this when we got married, how much was involved. Wah. You know, nobody told David what he was getting into either. David's dad said, here, take some cheese and crackers to your brother, right? To your brother's. Nobody said, oh, and by the way, David, while you're there, you're going to have to face the giant. Nobody said that. Nobody explained it. Maybe, you know, I, I'll, I will guarantee you, guarantee you that your marriage is more than you bargained for. And anybody who tells you differently is not married. Do you understand? I mean, it is not easy to take two lives, bring them together, and make one out of them. It is a challenge, a challenge, a challenge, again and again and again. Now, it's a sweet challenge. You enjoy the trip together, but it's a challenge. You know, there's just 
no way to make that easy. Now, as years pass, it becomes easier. We fall into routine. It's but the real truth is, this is not easy to do. So accept the responsibility. It's my job as the husband to be the spiritual leader. It's my job, teenage guy, to get myself ready to lead spiritually. By the way, David is a teenager in this story, so uh, this is what spiritual leadership looks like. Uh, verses 34, 35, 36, 37, you can read these. David begins to lead courageously. Not only does he uh, reject passivity, not only does he accept the responsibility, but then having res accepted the responsibility, he leads courageously. And we'll walk through what that leadership looks like in just a little bit. And then 45 to 47, um, David literally kind of sets aside all earthly reward and his expectation is greater. Uh, David is not so much interested in uh, what he might get out of this. David is interested that the God of heaven, the God of the children of Israel, be honored and glorified. David has a greater expectation than just what is going to take place here on this earth. It, it tears up a, a marriage when all of their, um, their motivation is just for the moment or just for this earth, for this world. And so as we're looking at spiritual leadership, we're going to reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and then we're going to look for a greater reward than just, you know, oh, look, we get to buy a boat this year before we get a divorce. No, that's not, what we're, that's not the goal of, of uh, spiritual leadership. So uh, just as we're putting that together, now you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we'll spend the, the bulk of our time there together in Ephesians chapter 5. So as we're working through this, Spiritual leadership, real quickly, in the Bible, the primary word, the major word for leader in the Bible that describes godly leadership is? Say it out loud. What's the one primary word that describes godly leadership? Servants, service, right? Because the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. If we are going to lead like Jesus led, then we must give our lives a ransom. For Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, right? Jesus was this servant of all. Jesus is the great example for us. Uh, the guy who enters into marriage thinking that, okay, now I've got someone to wash my clothes and fix my dinner. And uh, the guy that enters into marriage that way, uh, he may stay married. He might. But he's not going to find a godly marriage in that mix. That's not what a godly marriage looks like. You know, that's not what God's expectation is of us as men, is to set up a situation in which our wives serve us. You don't, you don't find that in the scripture. Yes, I do, pastor. The wife does all that home stuff. You know, I'm well aware that the wife does a lot of home stuff in the Bible, but read Proverbs 31 again and read it slower. All right? Because she does a lot more. But what you do find in the scripture is that it's the husband who is to serve, who is to give his life to the wife. That's what you find in the scripture. So guys, there's no way around spiritual leadership that doesn't look like service. And since our primary objective is, to, is in this family is our spouse, our wife, because the relationship between husband and wife is till death do us part. The relationship between mom and children is till marriage do us part, right? 
In fact, they are supposed to leave father and mother and cleave unto their spouse. That's what the Bible teaches. And so we should not make the children the center of this spiritual leadership, guys. It is our wife. She is the focus of our spiritual leadership. Now, we can expand that to our kids, and we'll, we'll talk about how we do that. But focus on the relationship of husband and wife. To develop a spiritual leadership, you must reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and then expect a greater reward. And then we start developing this servant leadership as we kind of go through uh, these things. So then, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, I'm sure somebody here can quote 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no man despise thy youth. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got an example of believer in word and conversation. And okay, so here's the idea. God, Paul is writing to Timothy, teaching him how to lead at this church. Spiritual leadership is spiritual leadership, guys. Whether we're doing this at home or wherever we're doing it, it still looks the same. It's leading in, in the spirit of God. And so spiritual leadership looks like this. Be an example. We're going to be a servant. Be an example now of the believer. So as we're kind of thinking, how do I become a spiritual leader? What we tend to do is, okay, in fact, when, I, when we first got married, Mel and I's first major disagreement, can you guess what our first major disagreement might have been over? Money. Absolutely. Money. You know, it's good. Mel was good with money. Yeah, me not so much. And uh, so... Mel brought to our marriage money in the bank. I brought to our marriage credit card debt. I mean, $25,000 of credit card debt. I knew how to spend money. I was good at spending it. <laughs> and so, you know, can you imagine that God, I love God. God has this wonderful sense of humor. He says, let's put these two people together and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, we're coming from two totally different directions. I mean, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I, I wasn't taught these things, and, and uh, Mel was. And so it just, so we're having this first major disagreement. She has, a, she has her own business. When we first get married, she's a beautician. She has her own beauty business. She's a teacher. She's, she's got it all together. And so, uh, you know, and I'm just swimming. And so, um, but I'm the man, right? I'm the man. And so, in my mind, leadership is, I do things. I make the decisions, right? So, this is going to be a battle. Well, I mean, so we had to figure out how to get past this one. Here's, now I'm not saying this is right. I'm just telling you what we did, okay? This is what we did, because we couldn't agree. And we're either going to disagree, or we had to figure something else out. So, you do your money, I'll do my money, and... When we need help, you know, well, by the way, who's going to need help? <laughs> and when we need help, we'll come together. But, you know, we just literally said, and so for the first year of our marriage, we had separate checkbooks. We did. Kept our own accounts, did our own thing, because we couldn't figure out a way to work it out. I mean, nobody had sat down and really helped us out with this one. And uh, all of a sudden, we realized we're not on the same page at all. And I did not know how to be a spiritual leader at that point, and I'm... We're just really struggling, so it's either we're going to struggle beyond struggle or, and so for the first year of our marriage, we just kind of, okay, let's just do our own thing, and then God started working things together, and, uh, and then the major thing that happened, of course, was that God gave us children, and Melody stayed home with the kids, and all of a sudden, 
the, the real responsibility was coming on. God says, you're going to learn, buddy. I'm going to teach you. You're going to have to learn some things, you know. So uh, that became our first really big major struggle. So what we tend to do, guys, is we say, okay, I'm going to lead. And so that means I'm in charge of this, and I'm in charge of this, and I'm in charge of this. And, I'm in, and that's what we think leadership looks like, right? And that's not biblical leadership. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be in charge of things. I'm just saying that's not where God describes biblical leadership. You know what God says? Biblical leadership is serving. God says biblical leadership is rejecting passivity and, and, and doing. God says biblical, biblical, uh, biblical leadership is being an example of the believer. Right? So dads, husbands, we have to be an example of the believer. That's what biblical leadership looks like. I don't care who makes the decisions about the money. I really don't. Because once we start leading biblically, all the rest of that stuff starts falling into place. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like tithing. You know, I don't really harp on tithing around here. I really, I honestly could care less. Here's what I know. If we start loving God, people tithe. People who love God tithe. I never have to say anything about it. People who love God tithe. So I want to focus on, let's learn to love God, and then the rest of it kind of falls into place, right? So I don't have to stand up and harp on you about all that little stuff. Same way with this leadership thing. That, all that stuff starts falling into place when we develop godly, spiritual leadership. So to be a godly, spiritual leader, husbands, we must be an example of the believer. So um, if you lose your temper at home and, um, and let words slip that ought not to slip and your family hears those, just, I'm just asking, are you being the spiritual leader in your home? Are you being an example of the believer in your home? That's the question. Because spiritual leaders will adopt the mentality that I must be an example to my wife and to my children of what it looks like to be a godly man. A spiritual leader is going to be the first one to say, we need to be honest so, for instance, uh, last week, somebody's done a pretty good job training your kids. Uh, maybe it's been two weeks ago. Uh, somebody came up and said, Pastor, I found this wallet. No identification in the wallet. $52. Somebody, a teenager, hands it to me. I found this wallet. You know, wow. You know, no ID. It had been pretty easy to say, okay, well, I found a wallet. I'm, thank you, Lord. I'm $52 richer. And uh, yet, to be an example of the believer, I'm going to be first to be honest. I'm going to be first to be loyal. I'm going to be first to be all, keep filling in the blank uh, with all the things that would be an example of the believer. That's what God is intending when he says, I want you to develop spiritual leadership. He is really not talking about who's in charge. That's not spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership is who goes first. David was a leader because he said, I'll go. And I'll go if no one else follows me. So, guys, if your wife is dragging you here, can I be the one to tell you? You're not leading. And what your family desperately needs is for you to lead. Do you believe that coming to church and being a part of a body of believers is a biblical thing for you to do? And if so... 
then lead your family that way. You be the first. Step out. Take that responsibility. Reject passivity and accept responsibility. That's what spiritual leadership looks like. Whenever we're trying to figure out, okay, are we, are we going to be honest about that wallet that we found? Are we going to be honest about our taxes? Are we going to be, you know, honesty? We would be the first to be, yes, you know what? It may cost us more in taxes if we do this. But if I don't do this, look what it costs me in the leadership of my home. And so what we do is we say, I'm going to develop spiritual leadership first and foremost. Because that leadership is going to then have that greater impact on my family. Uh, things like, um, I'm going to just kind of give you a list of things. Uh, they're given to us in First Peter or First Timothy there, a, a list. But I'm going to add to that. How about a list of, how about humility? We um, <clears throat> would go back and forth, you know, um, you know, you know, you know who it's the hardest for me to say, to admit that I'm wrong to, can you guess? It's not my kids. It's not. It's not you. I'll stand up publicly and tell you. But, you know, if, if Mel said something and I said, uh-uh, that's not right, and it turned out to be that it was right, yikes, that's hard, right? But the Bible says that we ought to be humble people, that we ought to learn to humble ourselves, that we need to learn to be abased and, and all these concepts of humility. And so, guys, we've got the lead here. We've got to show our families how to be responsive to the things of God so that when, when God's word speaks, we show them that, you know, that our response to the word of God by humbling ourselves to the spirit of God and doing that's spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership is not about who's making the decision. You know, my guess is your wife, you know, there's a, there's um. what's that Christmas movie the, about the ladies making decisions? Mrs. Santa Claus. Mrs. Santa Claus. Have you ever seen Mrs. Santa Claus? It's a great Christian Christmas movie. It really is. It's a fun Christmas movie. But anyway, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, it's taking place back in the early 1900s when women's suffrage was all about the thing, you know, women's right to vote. And, uh, and so one of the women's suffrage people that's talking to them says, you know, you make decisions all the time. Who decides how many, you know, how many pounds of potatoes to buy? And who decides uh, what we're going to have for supper? And, who, you know, and the women are all like, yeah, we do, we do. And finally one lady says, oh, my head hurts with all, this decision, all these decisions. You know, but it is kind of funny that, you know, it's not about who, make the, who makes the decisions. That's, we, we're misunderstanding what spiritual leadership is all about. You know, it makes, the reason that I want to define spiritual leadership as the decision making is because I can make a decision about my money and about where we're going to go on vacation and about uh, what we're going to do, you know, Tuesday night. I can make a decision and never consider the things of God. Do you understand? Unsaved people do that all the time. That's not spiritual leadership. Unsaved people do that all the time. Guys, we've got to expect more of ourselves than what the world expects of themselves. Spiritual leadership is for you and I to say, I am going to reflect Jesus Christ in my home. I say this to our, our married couples as we're, we're dealing with marriage and getting people ready and things about leadership. Leadership requires that you go first, right? I mean, if you're a leader, that means you're out front, right? 
I mean, how can you be in the back of the line and say, hey, I'm the leader. Who's following you? Nobody. Hello. That makes you a leader of nobody. The, the whole idea of being a leader is that you're out front. And so, guys, we ought to be the first ones to read our Bibles and to pray and to turn to the things of God and to point out what the Word of God has to say about the circumstance and the situation that our family finds itself in. And I'm just as human as everybody else. You know, I know what it is to have an awkwardness about suggesting that we pray together as a family because it's been a while. You understand? I know what that is. It's not easy to, to face up to that and say, you know what? It doesn't matter how awkward it is. I reject passivity. I accept the responsibility. It's time for us to pray. Right? We go first, guys. We lead our homes spiritually by taking upon ourselves the responsibility of the spiritual things in life. How about uh, self-discipline? How about uh, excellence and honesty and purity and et cetera, et cetera? Keep filling in the blank. This is what it means for us to lead our home spiritually. We're going we're gonna to quit making excuses. We reject passivity. Pastor, you just don't know what it's like. You're not married to my wife. I know you're right. I'm not. I'm not married to your wife. That's all right. But I do know this, that the God of heaven, who gave the expectation to us and gave the Holy Spirit of God to us to empower us to do this, knew the situation you would find yourself in and still gave the expectation. There's no excuse for it. It's time to quit making excuses. You know, well, I can't get my family. No, you know, be the leader. Be the leader that you're supposed to be. I, I've found this over and over again in my own home. If I am willing to humbly follow the Lord, it's easy for my family to come alongside. But I also find that the louder I have to be to convince them, that's probably because I'm standing on shakier ground. You understand? If I have to get loud to make it happen, it's usually because I'm more concerned about what I want and what I think than thus saith the Lord. A wife that is loved will find it very easy to let a husband lead. That's why loving is the very first and primary. You know, so we love her, and it's an amazing thing. When we love her in a godly fashion, she finds it very easy then to accept our leadership, especially when our leadership is reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It's not reflecting Grandpa. It's not reflecting the way we were raised. It's reflecting, thus saith the Lord. And too often we're just approaching leadership the wrong way. So leadership is not who's making the decisions, right? I really got stuck on that when we first got married. It was really hard, especially, I tell you, our, our fundamental Baptists, you know, we, that's the way we used to, raise him you know boy the man is supposed to be in charge and um and so what we think about and by the way we are supposed to lead and we are going to accept that response or the the responsibility of it whether we accept that responsibility or not god's going to hold us responsible but all too often that translated into in charge of what so we started being in charge of every little thing you know some honey what are you wearing today i know you're going to wear this i beg your pardon really seriously she was dressing herself long before you came along. She can keep doing that. She really doesn't, I mean, you get the idea? It's like, so we started taking up on ourselves 
details of, of things that God never talks about in the scripture. God wants us to lead spiritually. He wants us to take on the responsibility of leadership spiritually. So don't try to tell your family how to spend money if you're not praying. You understand how this works? That's the concept. Wait a minute, Pastor. That's, that's just out of my, you know, that's out of my comfort zone. Yeah, it probably is. That's okay. I don't think that 17-year-old David was like the most comfortable person uh, sitting there. Say, in fact, literally, when the, uh, when the king said, here, David, put on this armor, David literally said, I'm not comfortable in this armor. <laughs> you know, he was way out of his comfort zone. No. But he accepted the responsibility. And so this is that spiritual leadership, guys. We need to develop spiritual leadership. <clears throat> here's, um, here's this uh, last thing. I'm going to give you three more points from that book that uh, I just mentioned, I'm Raising a Modern Day Knight. Here's what a godly man does. A godly leader does those first four things. Here's what a godly man will do. A godly man will find within himself a will to obey the things of God. Guys, when we are, I, I'm just trying to help us here. Husband, dad, if we're not asking, what would God have me to do? Then we're missing this whole point of what it means to be a godly man. See, godly men, godly manhood starts with Romans 12, 1 and 2. That we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. If we have not yet surrendered our will to someone else, and that being the Lord, to the Lord to obey his will, then how can we pretend that we're leading in any kind of spiritual fashion? I, I've been, over the years, the, one of the biggest issues that we've had in our movements, uh, and not so much in this church, but you know, in, in our Baptist movement, is that uh, either we have women who come to church alone, because the husband won't come. Or women who have dragged their husbands to church. And so they sit there sulking. Irritated. Frustrated. Because they don't want to be there. And, but they feel pressured into coming. What we're having is the failure of men to lead. Because it ought to be the guys who are leading the family to church. Right? That's what it ought to be. Now, you know, so that's what we're trying to get to. Say, okay, I need to surrender my will to the Lord so that the Lord would, would uh, have an opportunity to work. I can give you sub several scriptures for that. Romans 6, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, Ephesians chapter 6, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, where we are going to surrender our will to the Lord's. And then secondly, for us to be a godly man, we must find a work to do. Men work. Look in the scripture. Men work. Marriage is work. Your family is going to be a lot of work. And men work. Throughout the scripture, that's what men do. In fact, God criticizes the man who will not work. Right? What does God call him? He calls him a sluggard. That's true. I wasn't thinking that one. I was thinking worse than an infidel, but God calls him a sluggard. Go by the house of the sluggard, God says, right? What you'll see is the weeds all growing up around the gate and everything kind of falling apart because he, he's not working. You know, this is what men do. We ought to be working. Men, we need to surrender our will to the Lord and then we need to find a way to work 
for the Lord in our homes, in our churches. Men work. It ought, it's, you know, it is a given in almost every church that uh, there is a, an abundance of women Sunday school teachers, children's church workers, right? We surrender it. And us men are like, well, you know, okay. I mean, I grant you, I know sometimes, I mean, some men are called to work on toilets. I am not saying that every man has to teach, all right? But there ought not to be a rejection of work, even in the spiritual realm. And so, you know, as we approach our marriage, it's going to be a lot of work. It is. And if we'll work in a spiritual sense, God will work in this marriage. And so, uh, a work to do. Men find a work to do. You'll find that all throughout the scripture. And lastly, <clears throat> by the way, in just principles of work, real quickly, I, I'm running out of time, I know. <sighs> I'm out of time. Wow, okay, never mind. I'll give you this last one. We'll let you get out of here. And lastly, here's what men, God's, godly men do. A will to surrender to. A work to accomplish. And a woman to love. I say to teenagers... I say this in my, son, my class. I say it whenever you get a chance to talk to your teenager about this topic. God has given you women to love you need to practice on. It's called your mom, your sister. Learn to love them. Because if you can't love them, you're going to have a tough time loving that uh, special someone someday down the road. Learn to show that kind of respect to them. Dads, help them out, right? Dads, help them out. Teach them how to love that woman that you love. And so this is, what, this is what manhood is all about. When we become men, we find a will to accomplish, a work to do, and a woman to love. And that fulfills our manhood. And uh, this is called spiritual leadership, guys. It's not about who's deciding. It's about what are we doing. Be an example of the believer. Be a servant.